1: Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're coming to you live from many places around Southern California this morning. And we're thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. I'm so excited about our guest today. It's his first time. I think we've interviewed him in passing at an event, but first time in the live show is going to be talking with us about fitness for all abilities. And I think that that's super important. You know that I've been. Look, aren't I the least likely person to be all, you know, promoting physical fitness? Because, uh, you know, I think we know that exercise is not really on my top uh, list as reinforcers. But in COVID, that is changing. And I'm seeing how important it is for our kiddos to self regulate uh, by moving the large muscles in their body and how important it is for us. And it's <laughs> sort of like talking to an ex smoker, right? Where I'm like so vehement about it. I'm like, look uh, this thing is great. It helps with these things. So, uh, but you know, it's not a one size fits all. So we're, we're having Jake join us from Zeus fitness a little bit later on in the show. And he's gonna, he's gonna give us the 411, which I'm really excited about. So, Hey, i thrilled to be here with you guys this morning. want to remind you that we are going to be live for the next hour and that we really want your input. We want to know your questions, your concerns. We want to know where you are. I'm saying hello to Amanda already. Um, you could be writing in, we're in this new format now, which it, you know we're still working out some of the bugs on it. And I wanna ask your patience while we do that, that the things about it that are working well, we're really enjoying. It does make it so that we can see the the chat in real time much faster, but sometimes that means it moves so fast that things get past me and we're figuring out how the nuances of how do we go back. So again, be patient with me. Uh, patient with us, but we are thrilled that we have this opportunity to connect with you guys. If you're watching us live, you're probably watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter, or perhaps on our homepage, autism-live.com. We love having you on all those sites live and you can be writing into us. If If you're watching YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Periscope, It feeds directly into our feed now in real time, your comments. Like I'm saying hello to Gamal. So um, feel free, if you want immediacy, that's the best way to go about it. And I'll let you know if I'm getting behind in the crawl. And sometimes you might have to repost until I have this completely figured out. I'm not a total Luddite, but I'm, (laughs) I'm at that place where I'm struggling to keep up with the technology. We're learning it. We're learning it uh but if you if you're not watching us live you might be watching us on iTunes you might be listening to us on iTunes by the way you can watch us on all those places later on youtube facebook twitter periscope and on our home channel we archive all of our videos on our home channel um but we're also available to you as a podcast and i know somebody was saying to me recently you know we should you should do a podcast and and I was like, what are you talking about? We are doing a podcast. We've been doing a podcast for 10 years now. Um, we don't often refer to it as a podcast because it's a web show, but then it podcasts. So it is a podcast and it is available to you for free as a free download on iTunes. You can download the picture and the sound together or you can download just the audio and take us on walks or in the car. You, we are also available audio only on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Ghana, uh newly on Amazon Music, which I encourage you to check out, Audible and Deezer. We are available in all those places and many more. Can I just say um but, if we are not available where you get your podcast, will you please let us know where that is because we would like to be available there but uh but take a look first to see if we are. I know somebody wrote in and said, "Why are you not on this?" and we looked and by, you know by George, we were uh because we send out a feed through one service that aggregates to many um and so so we might already be there, but if you see that we are not, we want to be there. Our rules are that we wanna be someplace where you can access us for free. And I hope that we can continue to do that. We've been doing that for 10 years now and and we'd like to continue to, because it's important to me personally that you can get information and that it's at no cost to you. And as long as we can keep doing that, we will. You can help us to keep doing that by letting other people know about us. The more people who watch us, in this format for free, the more uh, opportunity that we we have to share it with other people. So from time to time, uh, we're gonna be, Traven's gonna be putting some things on the screen telling you how to like us, how to follow us, how to share us, how to write a review on iTunes. We don't want it to be too intrusive, but we wanna remind you that if you like what you see here, and if you like the participation level and you want it to continue, we could certainly use your help. We rely on grassroots marketing to get the message out there to other people and so that they can then interact with us as well. So good morning, Jacinda. So we're thrilled that you guys are here. I like to remind you at the start of the show that we have lots of experts that join us on the show. I'm not one of them. Let's not confuse me for one of the experts. I am a mom, a very proud mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. I got very lucky. We also worked hard. Nobody worked harder than him, but I got very lucky. And I'm aware of how lucky I am. And part of why I am here is because it is important to me to pay forward what I got. I got the very best of services. And even that was not easy. It was very, very hard. I felt like I was on a planet alone. I don't want you to feel like you're on a planet alone. And when I say you, I am speaking to that really large autism community that's diverse. It starts with the individuals who are on the autism spectrum. We welcome you here. We welcome your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your concerns, your opinions. We welcome your stories. We learn from them, yes? Um, But we also welcome everyone who loves those individuals. And we know that those folks have a mission too, to provide resources and support to those individuals at the heart of things, right? Uh, We're not all gonna agree. That's just not even a possibility. That's not even on the table. That's not what we're looking for. Our mission here is to provide information and inspiration. And, you know, if you feel like you don't have a voice, um, we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to be heard here and to have the opportunity to have your thoughts and feelings expressed here. So that's, that's what we're doing here. I think that there's a lot that we do agree on, even though there's always going to be a million things we don't agree on, but I think we agree on respect and opportunity and dignity for all, right? Hi, Rhea. So thrilled that you're here with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So that's what we're about here. That's what we want to do. But don't confuse me with an expert. I am somebody who's been hosting shows about autism now for, I I guess, we're over 12 years now. That's a little mind-boggling to me. But uh, because before this, I did a radio show called Everyday Autism Miracles. So I've been interviewing people about autism for a really long time. And so I like to say to people, I have an informed opinion. I do, I have an informed opinion, but I'm not an expert in autism and I wanna be abundantly clear about that. But again, my passion here is that I don't want you to feel alone. You know what I always say here, we hold hands virtually and si see safe puede. that we can do this, yes? So onward and upward. I want to uh, tell you that on Thursdays, whenever possible, we like to share with you the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? Why do we need to learn this term? What good does it do us? And my litmus test is if it doesn't save you five minutes and $5, then we're not doing it, right? (laughs) But a lot of these things will save you a lot more than five minutes and $5, and will help you to get to the next level of progress. First, we give you the actual definition whenever possible. I make as much fun of it as I can muster because that's really probably all the definition is really good for. That's not always true, but sometimes it is. And then then we give you a working definition and that hopefully helps you to begin to understand. If you still at the end of the working definition, and, and I usually try to give an example, if you're still not getting it, please, Don't feel bad about that. Just stick around because it will, you will start to get, it. it is like a puzzle that starts to go together. And sometimes you need to have three other pieces before you will understand what this has to do with your life. So I believe that this is the first time that we are doing this jargon term on the show, uh, which is odd to me, but I don't remember having ever done it before. Today's term is vocal stereotypy. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like uh, some sort of weird, uh, like a cappella group vocal stereotype? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's take a look at what our actual definition is and see if we can't make heads or tails of this. Vocal stereotype is a non propositional utterance, oh, kill me now, characterized by repetition of a syllable, word, or phrase, example, ba, 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 yep bloody hell, wait a minute, typically used in high frequencies as emotional explanations. And we see who we're quoting here. al Uh, Okay. Um, I can understand the, I love the examples, the ba-ba-ba, yep, bloody hell, wait a minute. But if we just stopped at the non-propositional utterance, woo, there's some more jargon for you, right? Somebody had a good time with that. What in the hey, nani, nani? Let's move on to our working definition, because I'm willing to bet that you have seen or experienced this yourself. Very vocal stereotypy are sounds and words that are said or sung in order to calm or stimulate one's self. So the other day we talked about uh, echolalia, which we talked about movie talk, and um, you know. Uh, when uh, scripting, when people say a phrase over and over and over again, well, that is a form of their vocal stereotypy. So, vocal stereotypy is the heading for all of it, right? So, echolalia is when you're repeating something, right? Um, but another form of vocal stereotypy is when you just, you know, say ba 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 ba. Or our kids who make the high pitched noises. Um, my son used to do that. He sounded like R two D two or he would um, do this thing if he was playing with little characters and they were supposed to be talking to each other he would close his mouth and go (laughs) and i would be like what are you doing like like you know babble if nothing else but (laughs) is you know what is that and it would freak me out it's vocal stereotypy and we have to remember that under the heading of what is the function of this, vocal stereotypy in the beginnings of it, sometimes later on it ends up being an attention thing, but in the beginnings of it, the core of it is because there is something that it's doing internally for the individual. We all engage in some form of vocal stereotypy. Like you might find yourself you know, doing the dishes and you start to hum a song, right? Or my husband and I do this thing where we could be anywhere, and he might just only sing like two notes of a song, and a half an hour later, I'm singing the song, and he's like, "Did you get that from me? Because that was what was in my head, right?" That's all vocal stereotypy. It's it. You know, we all do it. So I want to be clear here that we're not talking about eliminating vocal stereotypy. Nobody should be talking about. El- eliminating it. What we wanna do is look at it and when somebody is doing it to the point where it prevents them from gaining language, when it prevents them from being able to hear what somebody else is saying, when it prevents them from being in a location where they could benefit from because they can't stop it. And let's say that they're in a classroom and they get moved to a more restrictive environment because they couldn't be quiet and they were disrupting the other students. Right. Those are the things that we don't want to see, because if it gets in the way of the things you want in life, then we got to look at it. Right. And if it gets in the way of learning, we want to look at it. But again, I just can't reiterate enough if we're not talking about wiping it out, what we're talking about doing is bringing an awareness to it for the individual. Just like we would, and here's the perfect example that we used when my son was old enough and had receptive language enough to understand, you know, we were able to say to him, you know, you don't take your pants off in school, right? Because that's inappropriate. Do you take your pants off in the bathroom? Yes, because that's appropriate. Sometimes, you know, it's all about location. The rules for this location are you can do this, 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 and this. And the rules for that location are that you can do this, this, and this, but the rules don't match up for the other thing, right? So um, we want to pick our time and our place for where we do these uh, vocal stereotypy. Um, and we, we do want to make ourselves aware of it. We've all been caught out where we say something or make a noise uh, wh- when we didn't mean to. And we go, oh, did I just say that? And somebody goes, what did you say? And you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. Right. Um, so we've all had that moment. Right. But most of us have, by adulthood, we have enough of uh, what they call inhibition that we can inhibit. We have the thought and we know it doesn't have to, or, or we are expressing ourselves. We're around other people. We know this is not the place to sit. Now, this is a spectrum all on its own, which has nothing to do with autism. I know grown adults who are not on the autism spectrum would not qualify for a diagnosis who struggle with this—that they will hum and sing in circumstances where they really shouldn't, right? So there is—it's a—it's a gradient, uh, a spectrum of what's acceptable to whom and where, because it's social, right? But for our kiddos on the autism spectrum. We never wanna take away something that has a purpose, and this has a purpose, unless we have given another way for them to be able to get that paycheck from it. So we might say, uh, we might set up circumstances rules for a kiddo that you can make your R2D2 noises at home, but you can't do them at school. You, can't do, you can do it on the playground, but you can't do it in the classroom, right? And that's a whole thing there's a whole bunch of precursors before they will understand those rules, right? We'd have to work on a whole bunch of things, but we would never um, just say, you just can't do it in these circumstances, because if the child is feeling uncomfortable in the classroom, we need to give them something else to do that gives them the same paycheck. I can tell you it's different for every kiddo. um, But I know for my son, the day that I saw them get this and him get it, uh, they had tried a bunch of different things uh, because it's individual. And and finally, there was, you know, I, Peter Farad, who I just love, right? An amazing therapist was sitting with him and he said, okay, uh, I'm going to say something and you say something. So they both said something. And then Peter said, now I'm going to say it in my head so that you can't hear, but I'm going to say it inside my head. You see if you can hear it. And so he had the thought. And and he said to my son, did you hear it? And my son said, no, I didn't hear it. And he said, okay, now you do it. I want you to think something in your head, but not say it to me. And so he did. And, and Peter said, I couldn't hear it. Were you thinking it? And Jem said, yes, I was. And he said, now I want you to make those noises that you make in your head. Are you doing it? And, and my son said, yes. And he goes, I can't hear it. And, he, and, and then he said, now you can do it whenever you want. And my son was like, I can, I can do it whenever I want in my head. And, and Peter said, yeah, because nobody knows. Ding! Ladies and gentlemen, winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? Um, And it was a huge moment, not just for the stereotypy and not just for the social interaction of it, because, but that was there too because it meant that he could do a lot more things in his life and not have to worry about that. We didn't have to cross that threshold. Kids kids were complaining at school saying, I don't want to play with him. He makes funky, weird uh, weird R2-D2 noises, right? So it was this thing that had to be overcome. Not only was that gone, but he began to understand, ah, I can think things in my mind and I'll have to tell you. And they could be mine and it could be private, which is the beginning of a lot of great things, right? Because then he began to also understand and Peter has things going on in his head that I don't know either. Theory of mind leads to really great stuff. Um, So, very, very powerful stuff. But it starts with that vocal stereotypy has a function and we must never just try to wipe it off the face of the earth. Okay. Um, And somebody is asking, What is my opinion on ABA therapy? I'm so glad that you asked that. And we don't have enough time in today's show for me to say all the wonderful things that I think about cause great quality ABA and there is a big difference, my friends, between great quality ABA and and ABA and what a lot of people are calling ABA and I could take seven shows and, and never finish talking about all the different aspects of this, but I'm a parent who watched my son have five years of really good quality ABA. And my son went from somebody who was nonverbal and couldn't express himself and would have run gleefully out into traffic if I didn't throw my body in front of him, right. To somebody who this week is working on his Harvard application. And that my friends is because of really good quality ABA. He is the most well-adjusted person I know, has a great sense of humor, has great friends. Like understands that, you know, he does not have to be like everybody else. He does not have to think like everybody else, that he has things that he can think and do that are unique to him. He's not trying to be like everybody else, but he understands when something happens and somebody, you know, does something that is, you know, because they're thinking different than he, he understands it. He's not in a world where he's like, what just happened? He understands you have a choice. Society chooses to do this, you know, on a job interview, shaking hands with somebody and making eye contact are important to that person. It's not important to me, but I understand if I want the job, I gotta I gotta be able to do that for this amount of time. He had really good quality ABA. And so I'm a big proponent of really good quality ABA, and I'm constantly fighting for that. Okay. Um, we're, we're past time when I was supposed to bring Jake in, but I do want to just say, somebody said, I have a four-year-old who has been doing some crazy stuff, like even eating in, uh, in, inanimate objects, uh, like, uh, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to eat adheres to bowel issues. Okay. So when somebody is ingesting something that is not something that they're supposed to eat, that is called pica. It is very serious. Um, and I don't, I don't want to overly scare you, but it does have the potential to have long lasting medical, uh, effects. And we have had some children on the autism spectrum die from, because of PICA. So I want to say to you right now, this is an urgent issue and you've got to get help and support right now for this issue. It is something that they will want to do a a battery of tests. sometimes there is a medical reason for pica if they are for instance uh depleted in a mineral, they will seek that mineral out. Uh, I think it's chromium that kids it, um, if they're if they're short on chromium, they will eat dirt um and there and there are a whole bunch of minerals that will match up to other things. There are kids who eat paper there are, but but it gets worse right. What what happens is that um, sometimes then there is a reaction either internally or externally to the pica, um, and we've seen kids, for instance, they if they ingest hair, they're going to have intestinal issues, and it may not show up for years, but they're you know, it can lead to having surgeries, intensive surgeries, and there are kids who have in the past ingested batteries and other things that you know surgery is not going to help. So I want you to get help today. I want you to call your insurance company. You know, call the 800 number on the back of the card and say, "I need help today. I need uh, someone who can talk with me. I need a specialist." And use the word PICA. Uh, it's P-I-C-A. PICA, and say, "I need help today." If you're working with an ABA company already, call them too. Call your supervisor and say, "We're we're seeing PICA." They can help from a behavior standpoint, but one of the first things you got to do is rule out whether it's medical and your child has a mineral or something else that they're short on, okay? Very serious. I'm sending you love, but this is like today, okay? Um, How old was my son when my therapist did that session? Uh, He would have been, gee, maybe six, maybe six. Um, somebody said iron. So maybe it's iron that is depleted. That is the the dirt, but in any case, PICA, call that number on the back of your insurance card. Tell them it's an emergency. Yeah. Uh, and get help. And, and if, and if the doctor you talk to says, I don't think it's a problem, go to another doctor. It's a problem. Okay. All right. Much love to you. Um, and and I want to say that every child is different. And my son's trajectory is not necessarily your child's uh, trajectory. I want you to know that there are kids who went through what my son went through faster than he did, a lot faster, and, um, and needed less support along the way. And there are kids that did not make the progress that my son made. It's so individual. So I just want to throw that out to you. I did five years of ABA therapy with him intensively. Uh, I know some people are like, yeah, we did two years of therapy. And I ask how many hours a week? And they're like, we did a full 15 hours a week. That is not what I am talking about. I am talking about when he was three years old doing 40 hours a week. Uh, And I thought it was crazy too. I no longer think it's crazy. I've read all the studies and I saw what happened in my living room. I no longer think it's crazy. If you want to know more about that, let me know. But I've got to get to our guest because he's fabulous And I think he's going to help all of us. Okay. So uh, I believe, and I didn't get through, Trayvon's going to fire me. Okay. Really quickly. Question of the day. (laughs) And then we're going to bring Jake in. Uh, uh, So there was our thing. So uh, question of the day is what sound drives you crazy? Because a lot of times vocal stereotypy will drive parents crazy. They'll be like, if my child would just stop saying this, if they would stop making this sound, it'll make you nuts. Been there, done that. Uh, But what other sounds make you crazy? I know for my son, he can't stand like those um, foam egg crates. If you even like move one, he can't. And it took him years. He was probably 16 before he was able to articulate for me, you have to stop doing that. That makes that sound is horrible. I can't bear to be around it. Um, and we all have a noise that makes us crazy. So what sound makes you crazy? Okay. Write in and tell us the question of the day. Uh, and we always have a topic and we didn't even on Monday, we didn't even get to the topic because I got off track, but our topic this week, <sighs> letting it go. Oh, I needed this. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff we got to let go of. And you got to start looking at what's packed in your bag that you can let go of. I'm having to do this right now. You guys, what are we letting go of? Cause we can't do it all especially with COVID. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can't affect change on. You can't change. So what are we letting go of? Let's, uh, we'll continue to talk about that, but I, I've got to get to my guest. The yelling. That, is that the sound that, yeah, I can see why that would drive you crazy. Airplanes flying over. We live near a base. Nail files. Woo, those are all the sounds. Okay. So uh, as I said, the first time on the show, Jake from Zeus Fitness is here with us, I believe. Let's get his camera up and running. Um, so uh, you guys want to know, how did I do so many hours of ABA plus school? And I'll answer that until, is Jake there with us? I will come back to this when we're done with Jake. Uh, but there's Jake and he's at Zeus Fitness. I am here all by my lonesome. Oh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, Jake, we had a little bit of problem with feedback yesterday. Did Traven have an opportunity to talk to you about turning down your speaker while you were in the waiting room?
0: Um, no. But okay, I'm,
1: I'm gonna do that if we need. Yeah, it. we appreciate that so much, um, uh, and because we're we're seeing if we can fix some feedback issues. But Jake. I'm so excited that you're here. We've said wonderful things about you behind your back for years. And of course, Dina Kimmel says wonderful things about you to your face and behind your back. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks that you're amazing. And I'm with her on this, like I'm with her on a lot of different things. So tell us first of all about Zeus Fitness, fitness excuse me. And why, was, why did you create this?
0: Yeah, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I've been a big fan of yours for many years, so I'm so lucky and honored to be on your show. I want to get that off. It's um, to have you. So Zeus Fitness um, was created to empower individuals with developmental and other disabilities to become more physically active, really at its core. Um, the years and years that I was working with individuals with different abilities in public schools, private schools, nonprofit, you name it, I kind of worked um, in, in that area. And the one thing that I noticed that I know a lot of parents and professionals um, have noticed is that a lot of individuals with disabilities are very sedentary for a number of reasons. Medication, there's a lot of weight gain and a lot of side effects with, with the medication that's being taken, um, and just a, a lack of excitement around movement. And I know that's that feeling is shared by many, um, That Exercise doesn't elicit a lot of excitement. So really, like Zoos was, was created to empower, but also to show that exercise can be fun. And there are ways of, of engaging with this population when it comes to movement-related activities. Simple you know, tricks and, and equipment and games that we can like, you know, have fun, we're not really exercising, but we're, we're moving our bodies and we're sweating and we're eliciting a lot of those same effects that exercise does, but in a really fun environment.
1: All of which is wonderful. And thank you for all of that. I feel like some of the problem is, and I think I've been a part of the problem for a long time, is that because we don't get excited about fitness, we don't get the buy-in. So talk with us just for a second about what the benefits are for us as parents and for our kiddos when they're getting this exercise.
0: For sure. So, and this, I could talk to you for hours and hours about the benefits, but I wanna, I wanna touch on just a few things. I think, you know, starting with the individual themselves, right, benefits, we have all the, you know, kind of typical benefits of exercise, cardiovascular health, you know, stronger muscles, um, bone density, you know, we, we, we feel better, you know, after exercising typically, but you know, a lot of things that, that we've noticed, and there's a lot of research behind this, You know, movement-related activities for this population, motor planning, getting the body connected, brain-body connections, knowing left from right side of our body. How do I access those specific sides? Crossing midline. You know, a lot of these kind of movements that we kind of take for granted, right, that are often learned in early childhood with crawling and climbing and and jumping – that oftentimes individuals who uh, might have a disability might not have access to, might not have learned, um, might not have been exposed to, right? So just in addition to all the other benefits, those core things that help them move better throughout daily life, right? Performing activities of daily living. We need to carry groceries, walk upstairs, sitting, standing, right? All those things that sometimes, you know, I, I feel like a lot of individuals with disabilities you know, despise getting up from the couch because they might have pain, because they might not have they might not have been taught to properly squat. You know, when we have to carry things, help mom or dad carry things across the room. I don't wanna do that. Well, it might not be they don't want to, it might not be I don't physically have the strength to, to, to do that. And they might be able to verbalize that, they might not. Um, so really, I mean, and, and again, there's so many more benefits, but those are some of the big things um, that I, I really like to touch on with the athletes, you know, the individuals themselves. Parents, I mean, for instance, when, when our parents bring their kids to our classes, that's an hour of, I want to say relief. I want to say you have time to do other activities, you know, you know, similar to, you know, school, right? When you have a, a, a period of six hours or five hours, whatever their schooling is, that gives them, you know, mom, dad, um, siblings some time to do various other activities, right? Knowing that their kid is doing something productive, like moving their bodies, sweating right so again many more benefits but really just holistically it, it you you feel better when you exercise and until you start exercising you don't understand that you don't want to understand that right oftentimes i, I don't I, I know i'm not it's not for me i know i'm not going to feel good after well have you ever tried you know so it's it's there's um yeah i mean again we can go on and on about this but those i think are the big things why exercise is so important for really everybody um, but even more so for our um, I- individuals with various abilities.
1: Yes, and my the audience here knows I'm a recent convert that I'm not. I'm not somebody who uh, is known for loving exercise. Let's be honest. Um, but in COVID, push has come to shove, and and I've had to. And now, if I don't, I I see and feel a difference. I'm still struggling to get my person on the treadmill every day. But I know that when I get off of it, I'm gonna feel better for hours afterward. And that the whole next day, I'm gonna feel better. That's a huge, huge thing. And that's really reminded me that with our kids doing, and part of the reason why that is such, so important to me right now is the demands of my day because my day is here. And I'm like this into a computer. And if I'm feeling that, what are our kiddos feeling with this distance learning of a school? I feel like it is imperative that we get them up and moving. And for parents who don't know, if you haven't been watching the research um, for the last couple of years that we've been covering on the show, we know that crossing the midline that Jake was just talking about, we know that our kiddos, our kiddos, after they do that, show more cognitive skills. It lights up something in the brain for them, cognition-wise. We know that it releases things in their body that help them to regulate uh, so that we see that their ability to self-regulate for for things and deal with the sensory things that come at them are better, that they are better at handling it themselves after they've done exercise. So this is critical, you guys. So um, Jake, what about for the parents who say, well, that's all wonderful, but I can't get my child to exercise. What are we doing for those parents? What, what do you yeah. got in the basket for
0: them? For sure. So I, I think that, that's a great point, you know, and, and oftentimes parents come in with, with, with that very topic. My kid hates exercise. They refuse to do it. And oftentimes what I always ask if the parents, have you ever tried exercise? Have you ever, and exercise is such a broad term, right? Have you ever tried, you know, X, Y, or Z, right? And, and there are a number of things that we can kind of go over today. Um, have you tried taking a walk? you know, a, a 10 minute walk outside? Have you tried going to their favorite park, right? A little bit challenging now during COVID. Have you tried, you know, putting them on their favorite ball that they love? Have you tried movements with that? So I think oftentimes what it is 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 taking time to realize what are the things that my kid likes to do and let's exploit that and let's figure out how we can add a little bit of exercise into that, right? So a, a very common thing, what, what I have a lot of athletes who love video games, right? And a big a big piece of that is VR. Now that VR has become super popular. And I have many athletes who play VR. And I've I've often asked them, do you have any games that like get you up and moving? And they're like, you know what? Actually, I recently got a game that I'm having to like um, take a sword and like chop things down. You know, I think it's called Beat Saber, I believe. Um, yes. <laughs> so things like that. And he works up a sweat. He's doing it for like 60 minutes. He's burning three to 400 calories. Right? So using things that they already have, things that they're already doing, and let's exploit that a little bit more. Right? So a- another big thing, um, kind of going back to that question of have you asked, you know, create opportunities that were once not there. Right? So if you have a pet, right, have your son or daughter take a walk with them. And, and that might seem kind of simple you know, to ask your son, have you ever asked them to take a walk with a dog? Right. You can do simple things like if, if your center daughter loves to read, let's take a stack of books on one side of the room. Let's move one book at a time, move it to the other side. And then at the end of that, we can read one of the books, right? <laughs> it's again, as simple as that you have to get really creative with, with exercise, right? You got to think outside the box, the traditional forms of movement, right? Are not often going to work with, with many individuals, right? The, the typical, let's do a squat thrust with the barbell, probably not going to work. Let's go run on a treadmill, not gonna work. But are you gonna run to go to a friend's house? Let's run, let's see how fast you can do it, let's race. You know, so I, I think the big thing is, is being creative with what you do and your approach to exercise. And, you know, not so much thinking that exercise has to be a certain way, right? Exercise for us at Zoos, move your body in a positive way. Get a little sweat, get your heart rate going a little bit, but it's about finding what they love and then exploiting that. I think that's like, Hands down the, the number one tip that I can give. Find out what your, what your kids love. And I see, you know, swimming. Yes. are typing here. That, like, if swimming is what they love, let's do that more if you that's- have access to a pool. So I think that, that's, that's the biggest thing is finding what they love. Let's do more of that.
1: And, I, and I, I love that comment about the swimming because a lot of our kids love being in the water. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. But a lot of times we just stick them in the water and we don't take the opportunity to exercise. Like we don't say, okay, I'm gonna race you to the other side of the pool. And we just let them splash around in the pool, but we could take it and make it fun and play games that end up being exercise right. in, in the pool. And, so- and,
0: uh, Shannon, really just on that point, you know, and, and I totally, as an exercise professional, someone who does this, I understand the challenges sometimes that parents are faced when they have a full day of work, they come home, and it's, oh, now I got to go do this, right? And I, I, I urge everyone to kind of reframe that mindset when, you know, swimming can be fun for both the parents and the son or daughter, right? And going back to what are the benefits of of exercise? Exercise can be and could be another opportunity to bond with your kid, Amen. right? Amen. That is, is like such an incredible piece. I, I have many parents who come in and say, we, we signed up for a half marathon, we did it as a family. We've yeah. never done that before. Like, that, that's awesome. Find things that you can do as a family. If you all take bike rides together, do it as a family. So that's another incredible benefit that I'm, I'm so glad that we got to, something that most people don't think of.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you guys, until you try, you don't know. There's a wonderful story in New York Uh, on Long Island, a family that they're very much in the news all the time, um, that two sons on the spectrum who are on the more severe end of things. And uh, they started running with the one son and it helps so much with the self-regulation that they started running with the second son and first mom started running with them and then now dad runs with them. These young men uh, um, compete in marathons. Like, you know, I'm talking mainstream marathons. And they run as a family now, and they were not a running family, but it's something that they do together. It's the way that the family has been able to connect with these boys. Um, They're young men now, but um, you just don't know until you try what it is that they will like, but super important. So I want to talk a little bit about what Jake does and how he does it. But Jake, let's pause for a second and say that your gyms are, are, you have multiple gyms or just the one in Los Angeles? Okay, but, you know, we've talked about this with COVID, Um, you know, a lot of times you guys will be like, well, that's great, it's in Los Angeles, thanks a bunch. But with COVID, you've taken a lot of the stuff you do and you've got stuff that's available online. Talk to us about what they might find if they were interested in Zoo's Fitness.
0: Yes, so um, I think we started this back in March, right? We, um, as soon as we got the stay-at-home order, You know, our, our motto at zoo is adaptive, inclusive, active, right? That was a perfect opportunity for us to adapt to our surroundings. And I know everyone is in that same boat, but we thought to ourselves, how do we still offer our services and programs when we're not seeing people in person? Virtual, you know, training is obviously what, what everyone has kind of gone to virtual, um, interviews. So we have all of our sessions on zoom or discord or Facebook live. Like we, we have various, um, ways of, of. Of um, giving people the opportunity to exercise virtually Um, but right now we offer private training virtually which can be done anywhere right Um, and that's always fun to see kind of where people are out sometimes you know week to week it changes Um, but if you bring a computer you can really exercise anywhere right and and we show you how to do that Um, and then we also offer four group classes every single week and we've been doing that since March our classes are all donation-based um, so which, which and, and we we started that from the beginning, you know, we, when I, when we started Zoos, it was to create these opportunities and to empower, and we never wanted money to be a reason why someone can't enter into a fitness routine, right? That's one obstacle that we wanted to take away. So donation-based only classes, um, we offer four every week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, two circuit-based training classes. So we get the heart rate up, we do various exercises, full body. We do a Zumba class and we do a yoga class. So they're a lot of fun. There's, a, there's something for everyone. We are always trying to create new classes um, during the week when time permits. So um, that's something to always be on the lookout for. But you know, the, um, an, another thing is parents say like, my son-in-law hates like virtual classes. They're all day on Zoom, right? Which we totally understand. But this is something that's a little bit different. You're on Zoom, but you're not sitting. Right? If we do our job right, you're not gonna be sitting for the entire time, right? Um, so you're standing, you're active, and again, we're showing you ways of using things in your house. Use your couch. There's a million things you can do on your couch for exercise, a pillow, a TV remote. Like, it, it's, it's fun, We know. Sometimes our circuit-based classes, we ask for our, our athletes, our, our participants, to grab cans of food, right? And everyone loves showing, oh, I have uh, baked beans and I have uh, a thing of mushroom, like, awesome. So we can do some weight training with that. So it's again, being creative with how you exercise. You don't have to. You don't. You need equipment at all. I would say probably 95% of what we do is body weight only. Teaching your body how to move properly through
1: the camera. Right. So if they wanted to do the group classes where it's a donation situation, um, or if they wanted to do because no matter where they are. They could sign up to do one-to-one personal training. That's not a donation. That's a specific thing yes. um, that you'll need to pay for. But uh, where would they go to get more information and to get signed up, Jake?
0: So I would say that the easiest way is for them to, to email me directly. All, all of the information is on our website. The links specifically are, are through us. And we just like to interact a little bit to see maybe what class might be a, a better fit. You know, just kind of initially when... When our families um, have not come in, we haven't met them, especially now that it's virtual and people can join really from anywhere in the world. Um, We ask just that you send an email um, and and I'm sure there's a way to do that. Jake at ZeusFitness.com. Type that in somewhere. Um, Super easy. The information's on the website to access my email as well. Um, And and we send out a a weekly email blast with the login information for the Zoom. And we do that partially just for security. You know, we, we like to make sure that just... We don't have random people joining. We want there to be some continuity and consistency. And if you're serious, we, we would love to have you join our classes um, and, and participate.
1: And quite honestly, there's some paperwork that they'll have to fill out because you can't be doing this kind of thing without making sure that you legally jot the you know, I's and cross the T's, right? right. Um, you need to be able to, but it's all very you know, normal kind of stuff. So we want to encourage people. So you can go to Zoo's Fitness, or you can write Jake at Zoo'sFitness.com. Um, okay. So when let's talk a little bit about when they're getting started. You have a very specific process that you take people through. You were just saying, you know, you sort of look at, and you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a, you know, you you interview people, correct? When you get when the, when you're started to see what they need, what they want, what they can do, correct?
0: For sure. So there's always like an initial assessment, and this is really more so with the. Private training, in particular, right? So, typically, what when they would come into the gym, it would be kind of a meet and greet, get to know me, get to know, I want to get to know you, get to know the space that you're in, right? Oftentimes, when someone's walking into a gym, like there's are automatically red flags, like this is a gym, I, I'm out of here, right? So, we try to ease them into that process, um, and again, the first you know couple minutes of, of, of whether it be on Zoom or in person is let's just talk. I want to get to know you. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What are you currently doing physical activity-wise? Do you love to swim? Do you love to bike ride? How often are you doing that? Just to get an idea of what they're currently doing, that helps us better create a plan moving forward, right? And we do that in conjunction with talking to the parents often. Um, What are are some some areas of of challenge, some deficit? Is crossing the midline hard? Is squatting standing hard? Do they have limited range of motion upper body-wise? Can they jump, right? Can you do a forward movement? Do you know what a squat is, right? So some of those kind of basics uh, of fundamental movements, right, can you move left, right? Can you move forward, back? Can you jump up, down? Can you jump forward? Can you stand on one foot? You know, how's your flexibility? Some of those kind of just fundamental movement patterns we kind of take our athletes through, um, and then that gives us a better way of, of creating games and activities that will better benefit, right? And that piece is really important when we talk to parents and when we talk to the individuals themselves, you know, do you hate exercise? Okay. Let's not call it exercise. We're going to have fun for 45 minutes. We're going to play some games. Are there going to be exercises in there? 100%. Are they going to know it? Hopefully not. Right. (laughs) We're doing our job right. So that I think is, is really, you know, everyone is so different. Some of our athletes, love the traditional exercise. They love to squat. They love to sprint. They love to do ladder work. They love to lift dumbbells, you know, heavy. So it it really is specific to each individual. We tailor the workout. There's no cookie cutter routine. But if you said, give me a routine, well, I I gotta go over a couple of things before I can give you that routine, right? So that is very specific to each individual.
1: Okay. We have a question that came in. Uh, this is a question for Jake. So many people on the spectrum have self-restrictive diets. One person in the UK only eats potato chips the majority of the time. Is there any way to help these people on the spectrum? I just want to say that Jake is a fitness person, not a nutritionist, but do, you know, you've worked in this space for a while and may have come across this. Do you have anything that you would like to say to that?
0: Yeah. So yeah. And this is a great question. This is something that we come across all the time. It's not always potato chips, but something of of the like. Um, So yeah, again, I'm not a nutritionist, so I I can speak only on the experiences that I've had with several um, individuals. And oftentimes, this is the hardest part about weight loss, about entering into exercise routine, all of that. Nutrition is such an important piece. Um, But what I can say is that oftentimes when Someone enters into an exercise routine. When we start them with exercise, oftentimes what we see is a mindset change. And with that mindset change comes usually healthier eating, right? Almost, almost during all of our sessions, healthy eating is something that we bring up. Hey, did you try something new this week? No, no, no. We're gonna keep asking because one of these days we're gonna get something new and we're gonna we're gonna cheer and we're gonna be super excited. We're gonna exploit that, right? So mindset change is is really Um, an important piece. And that often leads to behavior change, right? So I think when you look at it holistically, you know, that specific behavior, there, there, you know, a lot of individuals on the autism spectrum, especially have a lot of aversions to certain foods, textures, tastes, colors, right? And that often, you know, there are specialists to help with that in particular, right? But what we often say is, you know, always keep trying to offer new foods, right? And I don't always love this, um, a kind of a response to food, but you know, oftentimes we say, if they're going to eat chips, you know, at least try to incorporate one, something small, something a little bit healthier. So if they're going to eat chips, let's try taro chips, right? Root vegetable. They still get the crunch and the feedback, maybe putting it into a separate container so they don't know, they don't need the ingredients. They don't know what it is. So that like it is sometimes a trick. Again, getting creative with what you do. If they love pasta, okay, there are brown rice quinoa pastas. Let's sneak those in. Do they taste... The same, not really, but if you put some good healthy sauce on there, you probably won't know the difference, you know. So, it's I, I, I think that that's the best tip is getting creative with with what you do. Zoodles, zucchini noodles, try that. They might really love it if if it's the noodle, if
1: it's the stringy texture, try that. I, I, I do zoos. Is that a zoo, zoodle zoos? <laughs> is, that your, <laughs> is that your favorite dish? Um, exactly. Uh, Okay. And somebody said, so cool. And thank you so much for doing this, what you're doing and working with these individuals. I got to say that uh, Dina Kimmel from We Rock the Spectrum Kids Gyms has talked for years about you and how amazing you are and the difference she's seen with so many people. Um, and, and I do want to say this, and it's just not something that I say often. And I asked permission this morning uh, to talk about this, but I, I have been saying forever, Dina has been elbowing me forever. And I've been saying, yes, yes, I'm gonna do this to have uh, my son do something with Zeus Fitness. And I, and we're in COVID and it's now, and it's this is the moment and I see how important it is. Um, and I'm not the person to lead my son to good fitness. I'm, I'm seeing how important it is, but I'm not the person to lead him. So uh, my son has started to work out with Jake and it is amazing. Jake is amazing. I'm so impressed with you, Jake, and my son is loving it. Uh, and I'm so excited about what he's going to be able to do with you. And and normally I try to keep all that stuff separate, but I think you guys should know when when we vetted somebody to the point where Dina and I are saying that they're amazing, um, and that I you know I honestly think that part of my holdup before was I didn't have any, I didn't have time, and he didn't have time to run him over to the gym. But because we're doing this online, it is perfect for us. And and so I I love that you've been flexible enough to be able to do that because I think it's going to open the door for a lot of people. So again, you can, what is the Zeus Fitness um, website, Jake?
0: ZeusFitness.com. Super okay.
1: easy. Here, here's how and- it's spelled. There it is. There it is on the screen. Okay. Com. And, we have all
0: the social media as well. So feel free to type in Zeus Fitness and you'll find us.
1: And for those of you who are listening on on podcasts, it's Z O O Z. So uh, cuz I think it sounds like Zeus when we're saying it, like the the what is it? The Greek god, the Greek but it's Z O O Z Fitness. Um so in any case, Jake, we just think that you're amazing. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing. I'm going to encourage, I'm challenging all of you to at least go to the website, look around and think about taking one class, one class to see, um, it's, it's a, it's a donation situation. So, you know, you, what is that? Basically you pay what you can, or you pay what you think, Right, uh, Jake, exactly. is that what it is? Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I, you, you should try it because I'm telling you the difference that it might make for your kiddo would be worth the, the very small investment in time. And you won't know unless you try. And Jake is a little bit of a, a, miracle worker. So, uh, and maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. So, uh, Jake, thank you so much for being with us and we're going to check back with you and have you back again sometime soon. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. all. All right,
1: You take care. Bye-bye. Uh, I wanted to take just a second here at the end of the show because somebody asked, how did I manage to do so many hours of ABA with school? Uh, And if you're just tuning in and you missed the conversation earlier because we were talking about good quality ABA versus what a lot of people are calling ABA, very different animals, very different animals. I'm a proponent of good quality ABA And I I think it's important that we keep talking about what are the hallmarks of good quality ABA. But one of the hallmarks of good quality ABA is it is done uh, in in the amount that it needs to be done. We all take prescriptions, right? Doctor prescribes penicillin for you and they say what? They say you have to take this twice a day for 10 days and don't take less. Because what happens if you take less penicillin? you you know you won't knock out the infection and now you come back and your body is more resistant to the penicillin and now you gotta be on it for more days, right? Because that's how prescriptions work. And it is the same thing with ABA There is a, a unique prescription for every single child, right? But we do know that for the vast majority of children, not maybe all of them, but the vast, vast majority of children that are under the age of say six, we know that research is in and shows that across the board, whether they have a lot of skills walking in the door or they don't have a lot of skills coming in the door, 40 hours of the ABA therapy is the best there's a window between 25 hours a week and 40 hours a week where we see the best outcomes right but 40 is the best and by the way it's not just 40 it's every waking hour which means they do 40 hours of structured ABA good quality ABA not just run-of-the-mill ABA good quality ABA and then the caregivers the parents and the guardians do replicate what was done in those hours every waking hour The key is it has to be fun. If it's not reinforcing for the child, it's not good ABA. And and let me say that again. If it's not reinforcing for the child, if the child is not having a good time, it is not good ABA. And that is one of the hallmarks of good ABA. It should be reinforcing for the child. There will be times when your child will get frustrated, like we all get frustrated. When you're trying to learn something and you're not getting it, there will be times when they are frustrated. But if, 90% of the time, your child isn't thrilled when you're taking them to the center or when the therapist is coming to your door, they should be excited that the person is coming, right? Um, And that's a hallmark of good ABA. And if you're not having that, you got to have a conversation with them saying, why isn't my child excited? Have you made it reinforcing enough for them? And if they are not listening to you when you say that, you need a new ABA company. End of story, right? And I know that's hard and that's harsh, but that's what I'm talking about. So how did I do 40 hours when my kiddo was going to school? And hear me say this, that when my child was three, the school district, and he was getting ready to start ABA, he started ABA like the week after his third birthday. The school district said, oh, no, 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 no. We want him for eight and a half hours a day. And I am a former teacher. I love teaching, I love schools. At three, that was not the place for him. I don't care what they have in the school, there is no study that shows That at three years old, that a school can do what intensive ABA can do. There's nothing. There's no study that shows that. In fact, there are tons of study that show the exact opposite. That sending your child to school at that age is the equivalent of doing nothing. Nothing. And I think it's worse than nothing because it's sometimes sensory wise, it's torture for them. As much as I love school and I love the interactions that can come when school is in session and not in COVID, it is not the place for a three-year-old on the autism spectrum. Intensive, this is my opinion, my opinion. I told you I have an informed opinion, but I'm not an expert, but I've lived through this and I'm a teacher. And I do have an informed opinion. I would not put a three-year-old with autism in school, even for five minutes, if I had the opportunity to do 40 hours of ABA with a quality ABA provider, right? So the first year that my son did ABA 40 hours, we did do some speech and OT but it was only when it when it didn't impinge upon the ABA. Okay? I put the ABA first and said to the school, here's what time he has around that, if you can fit into that great, if not, we're not doing it. Because the I knew that the study showed the ABA intensively was what was critical. <clears throat> in this and and in the by the way, in the first year the school wanted to put him in the most restrictive environment um I don't even wanna talk about that. It was so horrible where they wanted to put him, right? But the most restrictive environment where he wouldn't be with any neurotypical kids, where there were kids with helmets on their head beating their heads against the wall, no, 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 right? A year later, after a year of intensive ABA, they offered him full inclusion, full inclusion in a preschool. And so uh, the first year he was just at home, the second year he went to preschool, He started the year going to preschool, it was just half day and he went three days a week. And then eventually towards the end of the year, he went five days a week, but he went with a card aid, uh, a center for autism and related disorders aid. And then later on, he, they transitioned to a school aid. Um, And so then the next year he went to kindergarten, fully included. My son has been fully included ever since that. And, and it was hard. It was really, really hard. When he was in kindergarten, kindergarten was only half day and that's not in many places anymore. Thank goodness, because kindergarten should be full day, right? Um, but we were still at that point doing 35 hours. So he would go to kindergarten in the morning, we would do 30, 35 hours of ABA. That meant we were doing sessions on the weekend. That meant that we prioritized ABA over a lot of other things. It didn't mean that we didn't do things, but if we, when we went to Little League, we went with a therapist. When we went to a birthday party, we went with a therapist and we had a list of what are we working on at this birthday party? Okay, we're going to see if we can get him to initiate a social interaction twice. Um, I'm telling you, this is where the good stuff is, right? Um, Somebody said we got rid of the first ABA team after coming across Autism Live. I got to tell you guys, I, I... It is such a thing with me. I used to always be on here saying ABA, 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 ABA. And then I, and then insurance started and all these people were doing ABA and people were writing in and they were saying stuff. And I was like, what's happening? And then I went out into the field and saw there's a lot of bad ABA out there. And of course, our advocates had been telling us this for years, um, that they were the recipients of really bad ABA. And we need to, like if you don't know, you don't know. We need to uh, shed a spotlight on it, and we need to uh, report these things um, because there is a governing board that's supposed to prevent these kinds of things. Uh, and somebody says it won't be for the rest of the the rest of your life, but it will change the rest of your life. And that amen to that, sister, because it, it isn't for the rest of your life, but it will change the rest of your life if you do good quality ABA in the amount prescribed. And you do it for a period of time. I, I love uh, one of our uh, old regulars on the show, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, would, would always say, you know, it's like having an Olympic athlete. You're going to sign up for a number of years and know that the priority of the family is going to center around we're on this mission. But there will come a time when you won't be, it, it won't be your every waking hour if you do it right. And if you do it at the right prescription, all of our kids. Will oh, you said, Oh, that's for me. That's, that's a quote for me. I'm going to crochet that onto a pillow. Uh, I won't be for the rest of your life, but it will change the rest of your life. I said that really, because I believe that I absolutely believe that. Well, that's just brilliant. Thank you for quoting me to me. I love it. Uh, but it is true. So if you're within the sound of my voice and you are doing ABA, check and see if you're doing good quality ABA, meet with your team, talk about things with them, ask to see the progress, Um, ask to be a part of it, ask for caregiver collaboration so that you can learn what they're doing. So you can do it in all the hours that your child is awake, make sure you're getting the right prescription, you know, insurance between the ages of two and five, maybe even six. If you push, they will give you that 40 hours of funding because they know they have to, you know why? Because the research is there. If you don't do it, they won't force you. They'll say, oh, you just did 20. They will never give you 40 down the road. Fight, fight for your 40, fight for it now. Um, We will talk more about this and you can always email me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. But we're out of time for today. I want you to know that tomorrow, oh, I love to see that our boys are thriving right now and that to me is everything, right? Right. You are an amazing, mom. Keep doing what you're doing. Right, it's working. Um, okay. We tomorrow we're showing a recorded show because both Traven and I need to be in other places, and we don't. We're trying to do that less, but it's a recorded show tomorrow. But we encourage you to tune in for it. We will be back on Monday live with Bonnie Yates. I'm going to ask you guys a favor. We really would love some questions for her about things that are actually happening in the field. I know you guys have all been, you know, trying to figure out the distance learning thing. I need some questions for Bonnie about what, you know, what's happening at school. So if you have questions about school or distance learning, send them to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com, so we can have some questions for Bonnie. Bonnie loves questions. And when else do you get an opportunity to ask a lawyer, a special education lawyer, a question for free? Hello, take advantage. Um, all right, and we've got a great lineup for you next week. We will be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye bye for now.